Hi, my name's Ree and I'd just like to welcome you this morning. We're um, in the second week of our new series, which Ben started last week on belonging and community. And I don't know how you're doing. Obviously, we've just gone into our second lockdown and um, life for some has changed significantly, for others maybe not so much. But we just want you to know that we're here for you. Um, and if you want to get in contact, whether that's through the website, whether that's through the chat online now, please get in contact. We don't want anyone to feel that they are alone during this time. And do you know what? During the first lockdown, it was a real opportunity for me. Um, I decided after 16 years and a pandemic that it was time to join the social media party and to get on Facebook. So I signed up, sent out loads of friend requests and I got texts back from people going, someone's taken on your personality on Facebook and, and they're trying to sign you up for things. And I was like, no, genuinely, it is me. It's okay, I have signed up for Facebook. And so now I'm one of the 2.7 billion users on Facebook each month. And you know, it's great, it connects you with people. It, it touches people, it, it's, has it changed my life? No, I don't think so. Does it tell me why I'm here on planet Earth? Well, no, I don't think so. The other thing that I did a lot of in um, lockdown the first time was I decided to make the most of cycling because the roads were significantly quieter and uh, it was a great opportunity. We were blessed with some great weather. And uh, so I decided to go out cycling and I've got a road bike, which is one of those bikes with the funny handlebars and uh, you, you're cycling along the road and you see another fellow cyclist and, and there's this sort of, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but there's a bit of an etiquette of a sort of dip your head and a, a wave and, and you know, you get a response and you feel a part of a community. You feel a part of, you're not the only one doing this and it's great when you're going up a hill and you're slogging away trying to get to the top of this hill and basically you see another cyclist absolutely bombing it down past you and you're like oh and they're just enjoying it and waving back because they're, they're going downhill and then there's another community that I'm part of which is um, the Land Rover community and it's really interesting because you drive around in a Land Rover and every time you see another Land Rover driver you you wave and I had a friend in the car once and they said to me do you know that person then and I went no I haven't got a clue who they are but they're driving a Land Rover so we all wave at each other and it got to the point where even this summer when we were in France we were driving along through one of the cities and there was another Land Rover and Tim and I were having a laugh do you think do you think they do it or not so I waved and the person waved straight back I don't know if they were just being polite or whether that is something they actually do in France, but it brought a smile to our faces. It gave us a chuckle. But have any of these groups or any of these things, activities actually changed my life or told me why I'm here or helped me establish why I'm here? I've got to be honest and say the answer is no. They don't actually do that. It's nice to feel that I belong in different groups and, and there's even groups on Facebook which, which just blew my mind and that's fantastic but they don't actually tell me why I'm here and what I'm doing and, and 
give me much purpose, but they do connect me on different levels. So let's look at Matthew 5, because I think here we've got some answers about why are you here? Why am I here? Why, why are we here? Do we belong? What should we be doing? How should we be doing life? And Matthew 5 verse 13 and 16, it says, let me tell you why you're here. It's a great start. Great opening thing. Everyone wants to know why they're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours on this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up with the out with the garbage. Here's another way of putting it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous father in heaven. I love that opening. Let me tell you why you're here. Do you ever wonder why you're here? Surely you're sitting on the sofa this morning and you may just be thinking, why am I here? Why am I even watching this? Please bear with me. I want you to know this morning that you actually do belong. That's why you're here, because you belong. If we just skip back one chapter in the Bible to Matthew 4, it's about Jesus when he calls his disciples. It says, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of, sea, of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further along the shore, he saw another two brothers, and uh, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to come. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. You see, Jesus called these men out of a place of complete obscurity to a place of complete belonging. You're sat on your sofa this morning, you're sat in a chair, you may be watching this on your phone, on your tablet, on your TV, on your, your laptop. You're called to belong. You don't belong just simply to a job. These guys were fishermen, but they weren't called to their job. They were called to belong. They were called not just to their families, but, but to belong to Jesus. You're called to belong to Jesus. He's calling you. It's up to you whether you choose to respond or not. It's completely your choice. He's that much of a gentleman. You see, and the other thing, before we get on to, to working out why we're here, you do belong. So we've established that you should be here. But also, I want to, you to know this morning that you are blessed. Because after he's called his disciples, he actually tells people, not just one or two, but many people, that they are blessed. 
And you read in what, what's known as the Beatitudes in, in the beginning of Matthew, it says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with being just the way you are. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're blessed when you care. You're blessed when your heart and mind are right. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate. You're blessed every time people put you down. And then it concludes, he says, you can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, for though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds and know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. I love how it can con concludes. It says you are in good company. Good company because you belong, because you are blessed. You are in good company. You're blessed because you belong. Not because of your situation or your circumstance, but because you are in good company, because you belong. And I don't know what your situation is you're facing at the moment. I don't know how work is or whether you're furloughed or, or whether there, there's even no job at all. But you are blessed. It's so hard sometimes to, to, to see it, but... But take the time, dig deep and find one thing. It doesn't matter how small it is. I know that in times in my life when, when I've been struggling, when things haven't seemed to go the way that I'd hoped or I dreamed of, I have to choose to seek the things that I have been blessed with. And you know, if we start to understand that we do belong and we are blessed, God wants you to know that in spite of the situation, in spite of the current lockdown, you are blessed and you do belong. But how do we share that with others? How do we let others know that they're blessed and they belong? How do we move forward in that when, when we've got so many restrictions, when there are so many things that we can't do that actually sometimes we focus more on what we can't do than actually what we can do? Well, it says... In the Psalms, David says it. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. In fact, in the message translation, it says, open your mouth and taste. Open your eyes and see how good God is. Blessed are you who run to him. But how do people taste and see? And now we go full circle. We go back to where we started. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be the salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours on earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way of putting it. You're here to be light. Bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? 
I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you up there on a hill, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father of heaven. And you know what? I read this and I think it's so interesting how these things are put together and communicated. Because the first thing we're told to do is to taste the first thing is about salt, and then the second thing is about light. So in our house we have four children, and they range in ages from 11 down to 3. And uh, there's, a, there's a sort of reoccurring conversation that happens every, every couple of weeks, and um, it's around courgettes. Now, I don't have a problem with courgettes. I think they're part of a balanced, healthy diet. And I'm sure someone like Mary Berry would tell me fantastic recipes to include courgettes in. However, <clears throat> the conversation in our house quite often goes with me, starts with me. Um, well, it, it normally actually starts with the kids discovering that we've got courgettes in part of the tea and then there being multiple complaints. So then it starts with me going, no, don't worry about it. Just eat them. They're good for you. They taste nice. Just eat them up. And the response I normally get from a couple of the children is, but mummy, you don't know what I taste. And do you know what? My kids are right. Don't tell them, please. But actually, I don't know what they taste. I know what I taste. I know what I like, I know what tastes, you know, are, I find pleasant, but I don't actually know what tastes they find nice. You see, taste is so individual and so internal that none of us can really comment. You see, we only ever see the outworking of taste, don't we? We see the grimace of, of trying to, you know, force a courgette down and try to do it as quickly as possible so you don't taste it. Or we see the smile of delight when they realise that actually it's Nutella in their sandwiches. And you see the joy on someone's face when they realise actually they do like what they're eating and it is nice. But taste is so internal. It's... It's that, it's almost private. It's almost the, no, I can't even explain it to anyone else because tasting is just so mine. You see, I'm more of a savoury person than a sweet person. I love a bag of crisps. And um, I'm quite happy, you know, peanuts, crisps, I'll, I'll go with that. And I remember quite vividly as a child, when we used to go and visit my grandparents, you know, it's always exciting. They always seem to have better food than you have in your own house. And we'd go down and we'd, we'd raid the cupboards and we'd find the crisps in their house. And there was only ever one sort of crisp in their house. And I don't know if they, they make these crisps anymore, but it was the, uh, the salt and shake crisps. Now these come basically in a small bag not like a grab bag, in a small bag. And they're in essence, plain crisps. Now you have to 
rummage around in the bag and in that bag you find a little blue sachet a navy blue sachet that's filled with salt you used to rip the top off it pour the salt in the bag shake it around and hey presto ready salted crisps i mean it is truly groundbreaking if you think about it it's such a marketing ploy i'm sure but it, as a kid it was so exciting to add your own flavor to what was otherwise a completely bland and boring crisp. And you know what? That's, that's what our conversations need to be like. That's how our lives need to be lived. We need to coat everything, rip that blue bag open and pour it over every aspect of our lives. We need to be sharing that in every way possible. In Colossians 4 verse 6, it says, Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So how do we love others? How do we be the salt in the situation to bring out God flavours? It's grace. It's that simple. It's grace. You see, salt is an essential nutrient in, in life, but it's something that the human body cannot manufacture. It has to come in. Grace can't be manufactured from within. It has to be received from above. And not held on to, but passed on. You see, there's no point holding on to grace because... It's there to be shared. That's why you say grace at the start of a meal. When you're sharing food, it's grace. We say thank you. You see, biologically, in, in really simple terms, and I'm sure there are people that could go into far more detail than, than I need to or want to, but, but salt actually affects the rhythm of your heart. You know, when people that have heart rhythm problems, when things aren't quite right, they're quite often advised to go on a reduced salt diet. You see, salt affects the heart. Grace affects the heart. Allow grace to affect your heart. Share it so it affects others' hearts. You see, it can change the rhythm of hearts. It can change the rhythm of your heart. Learn that unforced rhythm of grace, but don't hold on to it. Share it. Share it with your family. Share it with your friends. Share it in the office when you get to go back after lockdown. Share it at the school gate. Share it in the Zoom meetings, the Teams meetings, in the lecture theatre, in your halls of residence. Share the grace. You can't see it always act. You can't see the impact it has inside, but you will see the outworking. Because when people receive grace, there is a difference. And it's not simply about receiving. It's not simply saying, yes, give it to me, give it to me. Jesus said in Matthew, he says, freely you have received, now freely give. We've got to be a people that give grace, that say, let's go again. Let's give more grace. You see, once, once God had moved from the internal of salt and grace, he then moves to the external of light. He calls us to be the light. 
And, you know, in this scripture, do you know, it's not about the I, it's about the I am. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads to life. Have you ever noticed, and this is truly groundbreaking science, have you ever noticed that without light, there's only darkness? Without light, you can't actually see. How often do we walk around with our eyes closed or our hands covering up so we can't see anything? You see, we're not called to bury the light, we're called to bear the light. And any parent, I'm sure, will tell you, well, in my experience, burying light takes so much effort that it's never truly effective. You see, burying light, blackout curtains, they don't really. There's always a shard of light that seems to cut through some crack somewhere and land on the pillow, which can either mean the child won't go to sleep because it's still sunny, or they wake up really early because the sun streamed into their bedroom. You see, blackout blinds try to block out the light, but it's really difficult to do that. It takes a serious amount of effort and energy. But what does it mean to be a light on a stand? What does it look like? How do we do that? We've got grace that we can inject in situations, but how are we lights on stands? You see, if we look at Ephesians 5, it says, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behaviour from their parents, I'm still still working on that. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to give something from uh, to get something from us but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. In order to shine, we need to keep company with him. We need to spend time with God. We need to be talking to him. We need to be listening with him. We need to be walking with him. We need to simply sit in his presence. Sit in his presence. It talks in the Old Testament of Moses being in the cleft of the rock as God walked past and how his face radiated afterwards. We need to just be in his presence. And in this time when we've got lockdown, when, when pubs are closed, when entertainment shut down, when leisure's shut down, you've got a real opportunity. We can, we can talk about the restrictions on us or we can spend time in the freedom of God's presence. Keep company with him. We also need to observe how God loved us. We need to see it. Even Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. 
He had to look for it. Jesus, the son of God, had to look to see what his father was doing. We need to be looking to see what God is doing. We need to be seeking it out. We need to be pursuing it, hunting it. It's like a massive game of hide and seek, except it's more positive than that. We need to seek him out. We need to see what God's doing. And we need to give extravagantly, not cautiously. You see, Jesus has never once asked me, or it's never said in the Bible, do you deserve this love? God's never asked me if I deserve his love. He's never asked you if you deserve his love. It's given extravagantly. We need people not to seek the deserving, but that seek the will of God to love others, to love extravagantly. We need to be a people who love extravagantly. You see, love isn't actually about our will. You soon learn that in marriage and when you start going out. It's not about me. It's not about my will. You see, when we love God, it becomes about his will. And we line up to that. So much so that the light of the world was raised on a hill so that all could see and all could be set free. And that light is Jesus and he's then he's there for you. He's there to set you free. He's there to change your world. He's there to be shared with others so their world can be changed. See, in Peter 3, 6, it says, and whoever believes in him will certainly not be disappointed. Taste and see that God is good. You may be sitting, watching this, thinking, do you know what? I don't feel I belong. I don't feel blessed. I don't want to be so, I don't want to be like, I just want everything to go back to normal. Don't be too quick in wanting what was normal. Because God is calling you to so much more than what is normal. God is calling you today. God's not limited by lockdown. He's not limited by technology. He's not limited by the fact you're watching this in the past or the present. He's not limited by any of that. But can I encourage you today, taste and see that God is good. Be the salt, be the light. Go again, go deeper with God. If this is your first time of hearing this and you're thinking, I don't know who this Jesus is, I don't know what he's done, please connect with us. Put, put something in the comments. There's stuff on the website that you can, you can links you can click. There are people that are willing to explain it and to, to walk with you and journey with you. Don't miss this opportunity. God doesn't want you to miss any opportunities because he's standing there waiting for you. And for those of you that maybe think, yeah, I know this, I know God's good, you know, we'll just keep going. Well, keep going, but actually go further. Don't plod, go deeper. Go deeper with God today. There's more taste 
to have. There's more to be seen of God. Don't shy away from it. Don't settle for where you're at, but pick up your stuff and move forward with God today. Because I guarantee if we each do this, our communities will be changed. Our love and our hearts will enlarge. Can I just pray for you before we go? Father God, I thank you that you are above all things. And Lord, I pray that today that we may each choose to taste and see that you are good, that you are more than enough for us, that you are a God of extravagance, a God of abundance. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray a blessing over each person that's watching this today, Father God. I pray that you will bless them in their weeks ahead, that as we continue in this time of uncertainty, that we will fix our eyes on you, that we will fix our eyes on that hope that is unswerving and unchanging, Lord. We thank you that we can look to you. And God, we're sorry for when we make a mess of things. We're sorry for when we screw up. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son to die for us on, this, on a cross so that we may be set free and forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.